It is day three of Daf Chofhei. We hold the Nigamon Daf Chofhei on for about ten lines up in the narrow lines at the double dots at the start of the new piece of the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, even though we believe Amaratzim, people are not particular about the laws of Tum and Tara, we believe them about Kodesh all year round. But when it comes to Truma, we don't believe them all year round. We only believe them at the time of the olive and oil pressing seasons. For a minute, the Gemara says we're going to contrast that with the ruling in the following Mishnah in Taharos, which seems to contradict it. The Mishnah says, Someone, in other words, an Amaretz, who is completing the gathering of his olives, he should set aside one box of olives as trimmer and give it to a poor Kohen. A Kohen doesn't have a lot of money. What's going on in this Mishnah? But just a reminder, food becomes susceptible to tumor when it becomes wet, when it becomes moistened with water or one of six other liquids, including olive oil. But if it hasn't come into contact with a liquid, then it cannot be susceptible to tumor. This Mishnah holds that even if one's olives are oozing oil, they don't become susceptible to tumor until the end of the gathering. That's because moistening causes susceptibility to tumor only if the owner is pleased with it and oil that flows out of the olives before the gathering is finished doesn't meet that criteria because the owner is not happy to lose that oil. So the Mishnah says, look, the best thing to do then is for the Amaretz to complete, before he completes the gathering, separate a box of olives to give to the Kohen as trimmer. Then the Kohen receives it and he can see for himself they're not yet susceptible to tumor. He can prepare them himself. So the Gemara says, what do you see from this Mishnah? The Mishnah implies that if the Kohen was to receive the olives after the gathering was completed, he wouldn't be allowed to accept them because the Amaretz is not trusted to keep them in a state of Tara. But that seems to contradict our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says during the olive pressing season, Amaretz are trusted to declare their truma free of Tumma. So which is it? Is it like our Mishnah says that we trust Amaratzim during the olive pressing season to keep their olives free of Tumma? Or is it like this Mishnah in Tara says that the Amaretz better give the Kohen a box of olives before he's finished gathering because once he's finished gathering, even if it's during the olive pressing season it would seem, he can no longer give it to the Kohen. The Kohen won't be able to accept it because he has to assume that it's Tomei. So Amar of Nachman, of Nachman answers, Lo kasha, there's no difficulty. In our Mishnah we're dealing with the early crop of olives which is harvested during the oil pressing season and therefore in our Mishnah we can trust the Amaretz and we can believe him when he says that the olives and the oil are free from Tumah. But Habacharfi, in Habaafli, in the Mishnah in Taras, we're talking about the late crop of olives and by the time the late olives are processed the pressing season has passed and therefore at that point we would not believe the Amaretz anymore. Like our Mishnah says we don't believe him after the pressing season has passed and therefore the only way for an Amaretz to give the Kohen any olives is to give him a box before he's finished gathering. Amalei Ravada Barahava, Ravada Barahava says Kigon Mai, what sort of olives are considered to be the late crop? Rav Nachman says, such as those of your father's house. That was the answer he gave him. Your father's house, those olives are the ones that are the late crop. The Gemara now suggests another answer to this question, this contradiction, apparent contradiction between our Mishnah and the Mishnah in Taras. Rav Yosef, Amar Rav Yosef says, This other Mishnah is talking about the Galil, whereas our Mishnah is talking about Yehuda. What's going on here? So you recall when we learned the Mishnah, we said, the Mishnah said you can only trust an Amaretz about Kodesh, the sanctity and the purification status of Kodesh in Yehuda, but not in the Galil. And when we learned the first part of the Gemara a day or two ago, we said the reason for that is not because the Amaratzim and the Galil are any different to the Amaratzim in Yehuda. No, they're really the same. We should be able to trust them in the same way we can trust the Amaratzim in Yehuda.
However, practically speaking, you cannot transport produce from the Galil to Yehuda without going through a strip of land in between that's owned by Kutim, that has a din of Eretz Amim, and it's considered to be impure, and anything that goes through that, that strip of land will become impure. So you cannot get produce from the Galil to the Beis Amigdash. The Beis Amigdash is in Yehuda, and it's going to go through this strip of land, it's going to become Tommy. That's what we said when we learned the Gemara a day or two ago. The Gemara now suggests a different understanding of the Mishnah. The Gemara says actually when the Mishnah distinguishes between Yehuda and the Galil, it's not just a practical matter. It's actually a principal matter. There is a qualitative difference between the Amaratsim in the Galil and the Amaratsim in Yehuda. And not only that, but when the Mishnah distinguishes, it's not just talking about the first case of the Mishnah, which says, which is talking about Kodesh, it's also talking about the second case of the Mishnah, which is talking about Truma. Why are the Amaratsim and the Galil different? Because the Galilee has less Chaveirim in it. Chaveirim are the people who are particular about Tumantara, and their role is to oversee the purification of the utensils before the pressing season. So if we have less people to oversee the purification of the utensils in the correct manner, so then we can't trust the Amaratsim. Even if we want to, we can't trust them because there aren't sufficient people who are there to oversee the purification process. And therefore, Rav Yosef says, This Mishnah, in Taurus, which gives a way for an Amaretz to give some olives to a coin by doing so before he's finished the gathering, that is in the Galil, where we can't trust the Amaratzim because we don't have enough people who know enough about Tumantara to help them purify the utensils before the pressing season. But our Mishnah, which says, no, you can trust uh, Amaratzim for Truma at the time of the pressing season, that's talking about in Yehuda, where there are enough people to oversee the purification of the utensils, and therefore we do trust the Amaratzim in the time of the pressing season. Now Rav Yosef's answer, this last, last answer that we said, is now challenged. Rav Yosef said, Esav Abai, Abai asked Rav Yosef from the following Brisa. The Bryson says, That the Transjordan and the Galilee, they're like Yehuda with regards to the trustworthiness of the Amoritz. That we trust them about the Tahara of wine during the wine season and about the Tahara of oil during the oil season. Whether you're in the Galil, it's just like the same as Yehuda. Whether you're Eva Yarden, it's the same as Yehuda. But of course, we don't trust them about the Tahara of wine during the oil season or about the Tahara of oil during the wine season. So this price explicitly states that there is no difference between the Amaratzim of the Galil and of Yehuda. This distinction that you made, that there aren't enough people to oversee the purification of utensils, it doesn't exist in this price. And this price says, it doesn't matter. We don't distinguish between the Amaratsim. And therefore, of Yosef's answer is rejected. This distinction between the Galil and Yehuda is rejected. Rather, it's clear that the distinction between our Mishnah and the Mishnah in Taras is like we said earlier, that it depends on what type of olives we're talking about. Is it the early crop or the late crop? The early crop is during the pressing season. That's what our Mishnah is talking about, that we can trust Amaratim at that time because it's during the pressing season. But the, the Mishnah in Taurus is talking about the later olive crop and that's after the pressing season's already finished and therefore you cannot rely on the fact that it's the pressing season to trust the Amaratim. If, and if an Amaratim wants to give a coin olives, he has to give it to him before he's finished the gathering. The Gemara moves on to the next part of the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, If the wine pressing season and the olive pressing season have finished, and an Amaretz brings a coin who is particular about the laws of Tumantara, a barrel of Truma wine, 
The Kohen cannot accept it from him, but he can say to the Amoritz, set it aside until the next wine pressing season. The Amoritz brings it back to the Kohen, presents it to him, and that same barrel of wine that the Kohen said to him 10, 11 months ago, I can't take it from you, he can take it from him now. Because during the wine pressing season, we trust Amoratzim, even if it's the same barrel of wine. The Gemara asks, They asked Rav Sheshis the following question, What happens if the Kohen transgressed? The Kohen wasn't supposed to accept this barrel of wine from the Amoritz after the pressing season. He should have told him, I can't take it from you. But he did take it from him. Can the Kohen put it to one side, leave it in the cellar, until next year's pressing season, and then use it? Do we say that only if the Amoritz takes it home and keeps it till the next pressing season, and then presents it back to the Kohen, then the Kohen can accept it? Or can the Kohen himself take it into his home, put it in the cellar, and wait until the next pressing season. Amalahu Rav Shesha says to Nisua, you've learned the answer to this in a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, A Chaver and an Amaretz, who inherited the possessions of their father, who was an Amaretz. The two brothers, this is a Mishnah in Demai, two brothers, a Chaver and an Amaretz, who inherited the possessions of their father, who was an Amaretz. The Chaver can tell the Amaretz, you take the wheat that is in a certain place, which the Chover knows has become susceptible to Tumi. He says, you take the wheat over there, and I'll take the wheat that's in the other place, which the Chover knows has not become susceptible. He says, we'll make a split. You take the, the wheat that, that I, know is, I know is susceptible to Tumi, I'll take the wheat that I know is not susceptible to Tumi. You take the wine that's over there, I'll take the wine that's over there. But he shouldn't say to him, You take the liquids, you take the liquids, which are susceptible to Tumah because they're wet, and I'll take the dry foods, because he knows the dry foods haven't become susceptible. You take the wheat, which has become susceptible, and I'll take the barley, which has not become susceptible. Rather, they have to divide each item evenly. So Rav Shesha says, Regarding this latter ruling the rabbis taught in a brysa, if there is truma included in the inheritance, so this chaver burns the liquid truma on the assumption that it's been made tome and leaves the dry truma intact because it's not acquired tuma. That's what he has to do. Amai. But why is that? Why does he have to burn the truma? Why doesn't he leave it aside for the next pressing season? Because if you're right, if the questioner is correct, that you might think that he can just leave it till the next year. The recipient of truma after the pressing season from an Amoritz can just leave it till the next year and then use it. Why not with these two brothers also? Why didn't he just leave it till the next year? Why does he have to burn it? So we see that if a Chavah receives the truma of an Amoritz after the season, he's not allowed to keep it until next season. He has to destroy it. So the Gemara deflects the proof. The Gemara says, Badavashet in Logas. No, maybe the Bryce is talking about an item that doesn't have a pressing season, like date beer. If it had a pressing season, maybe it would be allowed. Maybe we're just talking here about something that doesn't have a pressing season, therefore the only option is to destroy it. So the Gemara says, Okay, but even if it doesn't have a pressing season, why doesn't he just set it aside for the festival? On the festival, the decree over Ame Oretz is suspended, and on the festival he can then sell it or eat it. From the fact that the Brysa says he has to burn it, you see, a Chavar cannot set aside the trum of an Amoritz for the next time that he can have a permit to use it. Even if it's not the pressing season, you know, he could be able to leave it till the next festival. The fact that the Brysa doesn't suggest that shows you that you're not allowed to do that. 
The Gemara deflects that proof as well. But Maybe the Bryce is talking about something that won't keep until the festival. Food that would keep until the festival, of course, the Bryce maybe would allow such a thing for the, for the brother to wait until the next festival and then use it. The fact that, the, but the Bryce is just talking about a food that cannot be kept until the next festival. It's too far away and it will not keep until then. And therefore there's no proof from this Bryce, no conclusive proof to answer our question. Our question is unanswered. Can a recipient of Truma from an Amoritz wait until the next period of permissibility? We cannot prove it from this Bryce. So we're going to hold it here for today. I wish you all a very good day.